0: This is another message brought to you by The Remodeled Church. No money at all, but maybe about a $20 bill, and they went out and bought a Zepco 33, and we ate fish and eggs for several months. The only reason we even had eggs was because uh, people from the church who were on Uh, catch crews that brought us eggs. If not, it was just fish. And uh, through their faithfulness, through their perseverance, through their incredible sacrifice, we are able to be here today. And today, as we worship God and as we feel God's presence in this building and and as we're able to serve God the way that we are, and as we're able to reach out into our communities and and impact our communities as we have over the last couple of years, it all began then, 29 years ago, with the incredible sacrifice of two people who decided that they would give up absolutely everything and lay it all out on the line. There was absolutely no safety net. They laid it all out on the line just because they believed in their spirit and in their heart that they heard from God. And I am so thankful today that they did. And I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for your work and for your effort, for everything that you have taught me, for everything that you have taught the church and uh, we just want to honor you this morning. Come on, church, help me welcome Augustine Tena and Janet Tena. We'll go ahead and let her say something. You want to say something or no? Yeah, she wants to say something.
1: Good morning. Um, sacrifice, I don't really see it that way. I see it as a blessing of God. We were able to see God's hand step after step. Thank God we had eggs. Thank God we had fish. Thank God we had what we had. God has been faithful to us. We've been married almost 32 years. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen his seed begging for bread. God is faithful. God is so good. I'm sorry. I'm a crybaby. I just want to tell you guys, thank you for loving my kids as a mother's heart. It's hard to be away from them, but it's good to know that they're among a community that loves them and backs them up. And I thank you from a mother's heart to you. Thank you so much. God bless you.
2: Thank you. And I have to preach after that. <laughs> well, good morning. good morning. Is this thing on? Good morning. Hey. Good to see you guys. Thank you for being here. But you know what? This is America. Where else in the freaking world can you go with no money and make it big? Right? I mean, big my size, whatever. Yeah, for my size, it's big. But anyways, where else will you have the opportunity to work and to believe in your dreams and to ex- expect God to move and bless your efforts. Where else in the... I, I, am I am I talking to myself right here? Come on, somebody. Do we have any proud Americans around here? Yeah. All right. God has been good. God is faithful. God is faithful. And don't freak out. It's wonderful to serve God. It is wonderful. Maybe differently... Uh, In many, 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 many ways But I would do it over again I might not buy a Sebco 33, I might buy Something different But It was so good It's been a privilege to serve God It is a privilege to serve the Lord I want to talk to you this morning For the next few minutes On the subject, a dream within a dream Uh, Janet and I moved here Many years ago to plant churches, to reach out to the Latino community living in Arkansas. Uh, We found a few of them in this county. We found a few of them in uh, all the counties around the state, and we ended up planting a few churches here. And then we branched and planted uh, several churches in the state of San Luis Potosí and Oaxaca as a result of the ministry here. Where else can you do that? You know what I mean? I mean? I mean, God is good, man. I mean, we had a we were handed an opportunity, a challenge and uh, and God helped us and uh, and he's been good. He's been good. And I'm honored to have you here this morning and to be with you guys here this morning and share the word of God. 5 years ago, uh well, more than 5 years ago, probably 7, 9 years ago, I woke up one morning and I was I was doing good. I mean, I was doing good. I could have fished and hunt and pastored the church for the rest of my life. I could have just do that and go to uh, ball games. And I couldn't see myself doing that for the rest of my life. So I, uh, I concluded somehow that God was calling us out and that he was moving us and just stirring us up. I spoke to Janet of course and for the last probably for the last two, three, maybe four years I told her time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. Then she finally said okay I said to her I said okay if if this is not God then help me pray that God will just take this thing away from me. I need, to, I need to settle down then. I need to be happy, not be miserable. And I need to feel that I'm where I'm supposed to be. Long story made short, we ended up in Indianapolis five years ago. Four years ago, we planted, uh, we started Iglesia Triunfo, a church among the Latino community there in Indianapolis. Five weeks ago, I think this is the sixth week, we launched the second service on Sunday morning, a nine and eleven uh, we not our story it won't make the uh, the best sellers you know the new York best seller or won't be the most read blog or whatever uh, we don't have you know we're not the, uh, the, the the story of success in ministry or or whatever, but we can say that God has been good but God has been good and and, uh, and he's bringing up people and raising up, helping us raise up people that he's that helping and he's taking ownership and he's coming alongside us and he's working out good. However, this is the first time on a Sunday morning that, that we are not at the church in four years. I want to talk to you then about a dream within a dream. Second Samuel chapter 7. I'm going to start reading. Follow me follow my English as you know English is not my, my uh, first language Spanish is so I think speak, work, dream sleep, eat in Spanish with salsa on it uh, so I may mispronounce some words I may say some made up words uh, give me grace okay now it came to pass. This is second uh, Samuel chapter 7. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, notice this, Nathan said to the king, this is the prophet speaking to the king, Go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Really? Is he? Is that how it works? Do we just go and find a preacher that will agree with us? And is that the guarantee? Is that what we need? Is that how it works? But it happened that night. That the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, this says the Lord, will you build a house for me to dwell in? This is my translation. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Now you are going to build me a house? You are going to build me a house. You want me to dwell, to dwell in a house. You, you want my habitation to be in this address. This geographical site, you want me there. Alright, let's see how that works. For I have not dwelt in a house since the time when I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day. But have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle, wherever I have moved about with the children of Israel. Have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel, uh, commanding them to, uh, to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, you tell him this, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, and they may, uh, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Nor shall their sons. Uh, the sons of wickedness oppress them anymore as previously uh, since the time that I commanded the judges to be over my people Israel and have, and have caused you to rest from all your enemies also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house so how do you like them apples <laughs> you think you're going to build me a house you think that you're going to do something for me Let me tell you, I've been good to you. I have delivered you from your enemies. I have given you a name. I have given you a family. I have blessed you. And even more, there's a few more things that I'm going to do for you. Verse 12, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up a seed after you. You will, come, uh, you will come from, who will come from your body, and will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, he will be my son. If he misbehaves, I'll spank him, but I'll be good to him. I won't kill him. I'll be merciful to him. I will never leave him. Like I left Saul by the side, I'll be faithful to him. I will establish your house through him forever. This is God speaking to David after David had this desire to build a house for the Lord. Have you ever dreamed about accomplishing something? Have you ever dreamed about going somewhere, doing something? Have any of those dreams have been unfulfilled? Have you abandoned some of those dreams in frustration? Oh, those things don't happen to people like me. I knew it. I knew it wasn't going to happen. I don't know why I do this to myself over and over again. God told David, I will not allow you to build me a house for these two reasons. First, let me tell you what the the reasons were not. God did did not allow David to build him a house, not because David was sinful more than others. David was, he was tough. He was a bad hombre. He was a bad hombre. David was David. For a moment there, for a for a second and a half, he went crazy. When Saul took away the woman of his dreams from him and gave it to another man in marriage, David went crazy. And he became a mercenary. Now, we're talking about the sweet worshiper, uh, the sweet singer of Israel. We're talking about the man according to God's own heart. Remember, we're talking about him. The guy who wrote probably half or more of the Psalms. An amazing man of God. But he went crazy for a little bit. And turning to mercenary a mercenary he was a gun for hire he was working for other kingdoms and other kings whoever needed killing call david he'll take care of it if the price is right he'll make your problem go away i'm not just talking that's in the bible that's in the bible so god says to david david i'm not going to let you build me a house but it's not because you are Sinner more than others. It's not because you're not as holy as others. Isn't it weird how we criticize people who don't sin like we do? Isn't it crazy how we point our fingers sometimes to people who, they just sin different than us. But they seem just the same. So God said this to David David, the reason is because your hands are stained with blood. You are a man of war. And this is the interpretation, this is the meaning. You are a man who is used to conquering things, you are unstoppable. You don't give up, you don't take no for an answer. I have given you a name and an influence that brings fear to your enemies and to the other kingdoms. You are used to having your way, conquering and building a monument to your name. That's who you are. And I help you to get there. My favor, my grace, has taken you all the way there. So I cannot allow my house to be linked to that type of mentality, to that way of seeing things. The older I get, and the more years I am in ministry, the more I freak out about Tena ministries. We don't have tenor ministries. I'm just using myself as an example. You know? Linking what God does to the man. To the individual. So does that mean that if he's not tenor ministries, God wouldn't do it? Oh yeah, God will do it. He just the tenas will miss the opportunity to be used. By God. Are you following me right here? So that's the first thing that God teaches David. David, I will not allow you to do that because my house should be, is going to be called a house of prayer to all the nations. This is not going to be the house of David. This is not going to be the house of the fill the blank. Or the ministry of fill the blank. This is to be known as a house where God works and changes people and heals people and pulls people together. David, I cannot allow your fame to be linked to the things and the miracles that I will do. I learned from uh, one of my mentors in life. Uh, Pastor Dale Yurton, he told me, Augustine, when God does a miracle, when God saves somebody, when God heals somebody, the worst thing that you can do is pick up an offering afterwards. And I said, "Well, yeah. Why? Tell do you know what I mean? I mean, come on, we got this." Here church your envelope. here's this. Here's it. Because the, a link is created in people's minds, in people's heads, in people's brains and hearts, that somehow that causes God to move. and money has never caused God to move. It's Christ and His blood and his cross. And his love and his mercy, his power, his grace towards all of us. that cause he sends to move in our behalf. I'm going to say amen to that. So this is the first lesson that I learned from David here. One, he wanted. Go to the next, please. He wanted to please God before pleasing men. He cared about pleasing God. I give an example. Saul disobeyed God. And the prophet comes to Saul and says, Saul, you have sinned against the Lord. You disobeyed the Lord. And Saul, instead of repenting, and instead of seeking to do to make things right with God, he blames the people. He blames this. He blames that. His wife, her husband, the boy, the girl, the police officer. He blames everybody. Oh, the whole freaking world is against me. How would I succeed? How would I? Well, nothing right ever happens to me. Everybody is against me, dude. Repent. See God, stop, come before God, allow him to speak to you, to work in you, and you'll see things differently. So Saul, instead of repenting, said, oh, Samuel, by the way, uh, Samuel, by the way, I, I want to go to church, I want to go and, and worship God, will you come with me? Will you honor me before the people? And Samuel said, no way, I can't do that. Samuel was going to go away. And Saul grabbed him. Remember? When he tore his garments. And Saul said, That's the same way that God is taking away his kingdom. The kingdom from your hand. As far as we know, Saul never repented. As far as we know, he never changed. Now, look at David on the other hand. This time, Nathan the prophet comes to him and said, Are you kidding Really? Are you going to take the one woman that your neighbor loves and gives his life for, the wife of your neighbor? Are you going to take her when you could have any woman in the kingdom and you're going to take her? Are you kidding me? God is against that. What does David say? He didn't blame the woman for taking a bath in the front porch. He didn't blame the day of the year that that was. Didn't blame his sugar diabetes or his high blood pressure. He didn't blame nothing or no one. And he repented before God and said, I have sinned against you. And that's the difference. I submit to you. That we need to be careful of the things we say and the things we do. Lest we link or try to link what God does to our name or who we are. Or how important or indispensable we think we are. God says that he shares his glory with no one that you know, that's just how it is. He is God and we are not. That's all there's to it. So God is not being disrespectful. He's not looking David you know, with, a, with a top-down attitude. He's not, he's not mistreating David in any way. He's just saying, David, remember, I am God. Dude, you're just a man. And when you think that you can do something for me, let me remind you, it is me who has done everything for you. So it's not that you have sinned. It's not that you're worse than anybody else. It's just that it is my house. And my house has to be a house for everybody. For all the nations. Wasn't that what Jesus did when he went into the temple and saw people with uh, uh, exchanging money and selling cows and calves and doves and remember tamales and tacos and fundraising? Come on now. You remember that? And he... Throw them out. And he told them, Man, guys, it is written, My house shall be known a house as a house of prayer to all the nations. Not some kind of flea market. You know, the people use it just to get fame for themselves. How do we deal? When God says no to us, how do we deal with that? Go to the second slide, please. How do we deal with that? So, Lord, I want to do this, I want to do this, and now, now I don't get you. Why? Why wouldn't you allow me to, do, uh, to build a temple for you? How do we deal with the no from God? When a dream is delayed, does that mean that it's been denied? No. Doesn't mean that. It may be that God is instructing you that instead of you building the house, you are to train to, uh, 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 to raise other people up who will build that house. It may be God saying that instead of you being the one in charge of doing the blueprints and, and building the walls, you are to bring the materials in. It doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. What it means is it's just not going to happen like you think it should happen. See, we struggle with that. We struggle with that. If we ask uh, any church in America, any number of believers in America, do you know for sure what the will of God is for your life? Most of us will answer, no. No. I'm not sure. I don't really know what is God's will for my life. All I know is that I've been going in that direction for quite some time and things are not working out. Or all I know, I try to go in that other direction and and all I know is that I'm just here like a chicken with a head cut off and I'm just trying to make sense of everything. Some things I don't like, some things I don't understand, but the feeling, the taste is that God is denying me. When He's not denying us, He's just showing us again, teaching us again, that He is God. And we are not. Right? That we need Him. That we depend on Him. That everything that we are and everything that we have is because of Him. To God be the glory. To God be all praise. To God be all honor. Amen. In Jesus name. Thank God for his goodness. Thank God for his faithfulness. Thank God because he never changes. And he's faithful to his word forever. Amen. Amen. So the third thing that I learned from him is that even though the dream didn't come to fulfillment like he thought it was going to be. He didn't give up. He didn't quit. He didn't throw a fit and never came back to church. He worked. He provided. He invested. He not only invested from the kingdom. You you want one, one uh, too far. He didn't just invested from the kingdom. He invested from his own pocket. You can read. Uh, uh, you can uh, at, least, uh, at least write it down. First Chronicles, uh, First Chronicles, chapter twenty-nine. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, that's when David said, you know what? Here's the gold that you need, the silver, the, the bronze. Uh, here's all the lumber that you need. Here's all the materials you need. I have bought and provided all of this from the kingdom. But on top of that, I love this opportunity so much. The opportunity that is before me, I love it so much. It's such a wonderful thing. Out of my own treasure, I'm going to give and invest For this dream to come true, a tough lesson for us believers to learn is this as we made things happen for other people, God made things happen for us. That's what love your neighbor as yourself really means. As you help others, as you love others, then help comes to you. Then love comes back to you. Love come back, uh, comes back to you. That's what it means. And it's hard for us to see that. Difficult for us to see that. Especially when we feel so passionate about something or when we are in, in, in such a, uh, a strong need about something. How can I give when I myself am in need? How can I do for others when I need help myself? Gosh, through the years, our budget here in uh, uh, Templo de Alabanza, Praise Temple, was was never huge, was never big. But we moved. We took initiative. We took ownership. And we did with God's help. And if we sit and wait until, you know, until we get everything, all the ducks in a row and everything, you know, it may never happen. So let me move right along. This is what I believe about you. And this is what I want to communicate to you through this story. One, I believe that every one of us Loves God. Loves his church. And want to see God's will done. Can I get a witness on that one? Amen. I believe every one of us want to see that. Uh, was, uh, was told by some of his disciples. Hey, by the way, your mom and your brothers are outside. Isn't it something? Mama, and, mama and, and brothers come to to listen to him in his teaching, but they don't come in. They stay outside. And said, Lord, do we, what do we do? How do we deal with that? Do you want us to bring him in? Uh, What? Do you want to go out? What? And Jesus looked at the people who followed them, who followed him, who were around him, and said, and who is my mom? And who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his followers, and he said, those who, Do the will of my father. Those are my mom and my brothers. Wow. Is this disrespectful again? No. It's just stating a fact. And the fact is that we may not understand some people. Suffice to say and believe that they love God just as you do. And they are trying to fulfill God's uh, will and purpose for their life, just as you do. That's it. When Johnny and I left uh, Arkansas, it didn't make any sense. Some of my pastor's friends, uh, my pastor's friends, came to me and said, "Pastor Augustine, come on, what happened? Tell us what's going on." One of them told one of them told me, he said, he said, "Augustine, you are living my dream." I dream to be in the position that you are. And you're living, you're abandoning. Abandoning it. I say, I'm not abandoning anything. I'm not forsaking anything. I just want God's will to be done in my life. And in my family's life. I want God's purpose to be fulfilled. I was worshiping here with uh, the, uh, the Latino church earlier this morning. And I am so glad. My goodness. I was going to tweet. But I, I just couldn't. I, I just couldn't even think. But, but I was thinking man. Thank God I left. Thank God. I understand now what when Jesus said uh, to his disciples. It is convenient for you that I leave. It is to your advantage. What? That's how it was. We want God's will to be done. We We want God's purpose to be fulfilled. I know that about you. So that's why we need to open our hearts to God, to His purpose, to His will. To the way, to his way of doing things, and say, you know what? He is God. I'm just here for the ride. In chapter 17 of the book of Acts, you can read it on your own time. Paul is preaching to the uh, in Athens. And Athens was known by all the uh, fancy buildings and all the monuments and all the uh, 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 landmarks that people had built to this philosophy of this way of life or this religion or that tradition. I mean, it was just filled with altars and monuments to people and by people. And Paul goes there and to them and say, you know what, guys, by the way, God does not inhabit, doesn't live in temples built by human hands. So you need a monument, take a picture. That's all you get. Because God is not going to be limited to that. Where is God lives? What does He leave? The Bible says that He inhabits us. Don't you know, Paul says to Corinthians, that you are the temple of God and that the Holy Spirit lives, inhabits, right here. God is where I am. God is where you are. God doesn't stay here waiting for you to come back next Sunday morning. He goes with you everywhere you are. That's why we need to be careful, right? How we deal with other people. Because you can do with this carpet whatever you want. Change the carpet and make it purple by all I care. Doesn't make difference. But you better be careful how you treat Joel. Or John or Mario or... Maria somewhere or something. Someone. Because God doesn't live in this carpet. But God lives in the lives and in the hearts of people. So this is where I think we are. Go to the next slide. I think we are in the process of learning obedience. Do you know that Jesus learned obedience according to Hebrews? Do you know that the Bible says that after he learned obedience, he was perfected? you know what that means? It doesn't mean that Jesus transitioned from sinning some to sinning less. Uh-uh. Jesus never sinned. He was perfect from the beginning. What it means is his obedience was never tried. His obedience was perfect before The trials. But his obedience became perfect after the trials also. We can be obedient all we want. And talk of obedience all we want. Before we tried. But it's when we are asked to do something. It's when we are challenged to do something. It's when we are tried that our obedience is made manifested. Can I get a witness here? Finally, this is what I believe of you right here. Go to the next, please. I believe that we will continue to grow, to learn, to engage our community. I believe that we will continue to take ownership and to see ourselves as God sees us. And I believe with all my heart that... TRC will be a model of how a community can come together and worship God and serve God regardless of ethnicity, uh, social status, or religious background. I believe that TRC can be a model, a church that says that Truly, what God sees and what God changes is the hearts of people. This is the end of the message. For more information, please visit TheRemodelChurch.com.